The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. It's Pharrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out. The bad seed of broken eight, a bad apple with a bad attitude. Hanging around a bunch of bad letters, bad taste, bad lie, bad dude, bad breath, bad attention, bad vibes. We are live in the Pharrell Palatia right across the river and through the woods from where Granny loves to hit that Khalifa Kush before she goes to bed in New York City. The Big Apple. Ooh, people dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion shake it up, should do it. All my friend that come around, flies to flies. Party rats on the west side, bed bugs up down with a mess of tides and tatter. My brains just splattered all over Manhattan. Should be check out. So, uh, it's for all with mafia tonight. I was at the uh, gym today, and uh, this guy uh came around the corner. I was minding my own business. I was talking to another dude about one thing or another, and uh, we were talking about the Bills. Uh, because the guy had asked me last week, he goes, Who do you like in the Seattle uh Bills game? He goes, You're probably on uh Seattle, right? I go, No, I was on the Bills. I go, I'm I'm uh I'm on Buffalo. I think they'll win the game outright. I'm I'm gonna take it because I'm a huge Bills fan. And then I told him uh Carver High was a huge Bills fan, and he's like, uh, where do you uh do the show these days and i told him uh sports grid radio and then this guy came around the corner he's like are you pharrell i go yeah he goes oh man i used to listen to you on stern i said son you need to get on that a uh, grid son you got to get on that sports grid radio app and that sports grid app and get your life turned around stop listening to all that old funky stuff you got to bring in some of that new groove and i got him to download both apps so now i'm converting people mafia at the gym and I said the story today on um, on Coast to Coast the whole time that it, w- it was very troubling, the conversation, because the guy was stark raving naked talking to me. I'm sitting there all dressed and everything. I, like, I want to talk to some naked guy <laughs> talking to me about the Buffalo Bills. I was just trying to convert audience. I'm trying to get fans to listen and watch SportsGrid. Uh, right now, Jets lead 20 to 17. I don't really want to talk about the game that much so Mafia doesn't jump off a building. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood... 
we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. on the bench with you. So, Mafia, the, the point I'm trying to make about the uh, Jets is, is that they're leading the game 20-17 to 17 going to uh, the fourth quarter, right? There's like, I think there's a timeout. There's 33 seconds left in the third, something like that. The Jets are on the move, unless I'm mistaken. I think they're, uh, you're watching the game, right? Aren't they deep in uh, New England's uh, territory at this point? Yeah, they're deep in Pat's territory now. They're, they're threatening once again. Okay, so here's the deal. They're at the, uh, I, I think they're at around the New England 15-yard line, second and five. They're on a 10-play 60-yard drive. They're leading the game. Uh, there's 30 seconds left in the, uh, whatever, 33 seconds left in the third. So they've actually played really well. And uh, there's so many angles to this game tonight that I want to talk to you about. First of all, uh, I was on Coast to Coast today. Did I not say that I find it hard to believe that a guy that, you know, there were several teams. Philadelphia wanted Joe Flacco. They didn't get him. Uh, they they wanted him. The Jets ended up getting him. And then everybody talked about in the preseason how he looked good and how he, uh, you know, his arm looked good. He looked good. All the rest, his neck was fine, blah, blah, blah. And that, you know, he's a, he's a good backup and he's, he's a good insurance policy for Sam Darnold and, and they'll be fine. Little did they know, as usual, that Sam Darnold would miss as many games as he's missing. He's just constantly out. And so this guy, uh, you know, I didn't talk about that today. All I said today on Coast to Coast was I find it hard to believe that Joe Flacco can't throw a touchdown pass or two in an NFL game if he was looking so fantastic and everybody wanted him and everybody wanted to sign him as a backup that this guy can't go in against that porous New England defense that has no players on it anymore. They have no star players whatsoever. Not one. There isn't one guy on the whole team that matters. Am I wrong? Steph Gilmore hasn't played the whole season. And they have no one else. They suck. And I said, if you can't beat that team or score against that team, then then you are officially the worst team in the NFL and you should go winless. But I said that the Jets, I think that Flacco will go out tonight and score multiple touchdowns. I said, I think he'll throw for a couple touchdowns and that they will easily cover the 10. Did I not say that? Yeah, you did. You had them. You picking them. You're riding them. You said that there was going to be a close game with two bad teams that they're just going to slug it out and it's going to be ugly. And that's what it's been. I mean, the Jets had a nice lead here, but now the Pats are back in it. And I mean, this is the best the Jets have played all season offensively. This, you know, obviously the most points they put up. They've actually threatening to put up points in the second half, which they haven't done in you know 
probably the whole season. He just threw another touchdown. <laughs> he just threw another touchdown. Blackout. He just threw another one. They're going to go up 27 to 10. So yeah, they haven't played like this the all year. They haven't played like this all year. Or 27 to 17. All right, so here's the deal. My question is this. So I think he's played great tonight. Flacco. And any way you slice it, the Jets haven't scored 27 points the whole season. So my the the angle that I'm going at here with you tonight is, is this stupid of them to actually go out and win a football game and then start playing good football for the rest of the season, knowing that they're going to blow the number one draft pick? Yeah, I mean, if you're aiming for the number one draft pick, winning games obviously is always counterproductive, especially in the fact that if you're going to take that number one draft pick, you want to try to get something for Sam Darnold considering what you put into him a couple of years ago. So, you know, if you say if he can't play and now Flacco's going to go and win them games, you're going to lose the number one pick. You're not going to have any value on Darnold. So you might end up having to keep him because you don't get the guy that you want at the top of the draft. It's just not a great. And then, you know, it's going to be a situation like you had a couple of years ago with Rex Ryan, you know, at the end of his tenure there with the Jets where he, was on his way out the one year, and then all of a sudden they won a bunch of games at the end of the season, and they ended up keeping him for another year than they should have. You know, and then he stunk again, and they finally got rid of him. But that's always a downfall. Like all of a sudden now, you say, okay, well, you know, they're playing for him, and they're finally getting it together, and then you're going to keep this guy around for an extra year, and you shouldn't because he's going to be he's terrible. And there's other guys out there that are going to get scooped up that you want. You know, you want you know some of these guys, these assistants that are going to be hot and going to other teams. You don't want to let them fall to these other teams. But if they start winning games because Douglas is his buddy, they'll keep Gase. Oh, there isn't. Uh, I I think there's no way that Adam Gase survives this. Uh, so let's just uh, let's just leave that off the table tonight. Like so tonight, like I give him no chance of keeping his job. Uh, basically, it makes no sense to me whatsoever why he would keep his job. They are anemic at best. They are terrible. There's no getting around it. Right. And what's amazing to me is actually how highly they regard Joe Douglas as the GM, but not the coach, right? So are you telling me that uh, did he have nothing to do with bringing Adam Gase to the Jets? Because I sure as hell think he did. No, he didn't. He was hired after Gase. Gase actually helped to get him the job because he's his friend. They, he was uh, The other GM was still there, the guy from Houston that they had there. He was there. He made the draft picks. He hired Gase. And then after that, in the middle of the summer, they said, you know what? See you later. And they fired him. And then uh, they brought in Joe Douglas eventually. But he was not there when Gase was hired. All right. So uh, I have a hard time believing anyway that he's going to uh, stay there. So here's the deal. Uh, my, I guess my, my point is this, is that I, I don't buy – I'm not buying Sam Darnold anymore at all. I told you before he's Matt Barkley, right? So I think he's basically no better than Matt Barkley, and that's all there is to it. So uh, you're sitting there uh, on top of – you know, you're the worst team in the league. You're 0-8. you got the number one draft pick right now locked in, and you're going to go out and start winning games and blow that, and you're never going to matter. You're just never going to matter. If they end up with the uh, third or fourth pick, it's like the Knicks. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if it were the Knicks, the top three players would be the greatest players in the history of the NBA, and the fourth player would be the worst, and that's who the Knicks get. So my point is is that the Jets will end up getting a crappy player, even if it's the fourth pick. But if they get the number one pick, they'll get Trevor Lawrence, and I don't believe for one minute 
that Trevor Lawrence is going to stay at Clemson to avoid playing for the New York Jets. Uh, all that rhetoric I've been hearing about, oh, nobody wants to play in New York. Nobody wants to play for the Jets. And you know as well as I do, Mafia, that's that's horse dunk. I mean, the bottom line is, is that the money talks. And if you're – did Sam Darnold have a problem going to the Jets? Did, did nope. Daniel Jones have a problem going to the Giants? There's no player in college football – that in my opinion, that it has the stones to look you in the eye and tell you that they don't want to play in New York City because the teams stink. Uh, it's simple. If you become a star in, like, look at Eli Manning. He won two Super Bowls in New York. The guy's a, a legend forever in New York. And a lot of people don't even think he was good, right? They just think he was such a wuss. But the fact of the matter is the guy won two Super Bowls and most people in New York treat him like he's iconic, right? That he's a he's a legend. Uh, it's no different, in my opinion, in some capacity is Joe Namath. Joe Namath won the Super Bowl in 69, right? And then what else did he do besides have bad knees the rest of his career? So he's still a legend in New York, right? So if you're a good player, if you're a great player, whatever, and you make it in New York, You'll be set for life. And that's just all there is to it. You don't see anyone that was ever good like Messier or anybody else that played in New York that didn't love it uh, when they when they were winners. Right. When they when they actually got it done. So you don't sit here and tell me, Mafia, that uh, Trevor Lawrence is he doesn't want to play in New York. You don't buy that, do you? No, I don't. But even if he didn't, if for some reason, you know, he said, you know what, I just don't want to go to that franchise, which, you know what, you're going to be a top pick. Suck it up. That's what you do. Ask Joe Burrow. Ask, you know, all these guys who could come out in these top five quarterbacks. But, you know, so you come out and worst case scenario, you pull a reverse Eli Manning and make them, you know, trade for somewhere else, make them send you somewhere else. But you're still going to come out because you're still going to be the top pick and you're not going to chance ruining your future, blowing out your knee or your arm by going back for another year of college. Listen, uh, you know, uh, forcing them to uh, trade you. What college kid has that kind of leverage? I I don't believe that anymore. I just don't. uh, You know, the whole, you know, uh, John Elway thing, Eric Lindros, all that Eli Manning and Drew Brees nonsense. I I don't want to hear it. Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All 
right, Pharrell on the bench. So there's, you know, other bad teams, obviously, in uh, the NFL. Shout out to the church, by the way. Uh, I know that, you know, there's, you know, bad teams and blah, blah, blah. You know, it could be uh, what? So you could end up having um, – for, I want to look at the standings anyway. Like you got the Giants, you got the Jaguars, uh, you got all these teams, uh, you know, in terms of struggling. And uh, the Jets uh, are one of them. The Jaguars are one and seven. Uh, the Chargers are two and six. The Giants are two and seven. And then, I, you know, basically that's it in terms of worst teams, right? Uh, that uh, Jack, Jag teams one and seven. So, uh, you know, that's like saying, would you rather have Trevor Lawrence, if you're him, have a chance to play for the Jaguars or the New York Jets? Who in their right mind, let's just be honest here, who in their right mind, if you're a college kid and you're the number one player coming out in the NFL draft, who in their right mind would rather play seriously for the Jaguars than the Jets? I mean, honestly, like. If you want to make it in the world in pro sports, right? And you want to, you know, be successful, you want to win, you want a, a big contract and all this other stuff and endorsements and to be the face of a franchise and to get big and to be successful. Where do you think you can do better uh, in New York or in Jacksonville, Florida? No offense to anybody in Jacksonville. I love Florida. Uh, everybody knows that. I've been down there five million times. I lived there. I worked there. I have a place there. But there's no way I would ever pick the Jaguars over the Jets if I were a kid and I had a choice. Like, you know, okay, do I want to stay in college or do I want to play for the Jets? Do I want to stay in college or do I want to play for the Jaguars? I'm going to play for the Jets. And, you know, the bottom line is, is Sam Darnold is the quarterback of the Jets. And it's basically his fault that he sucks <laughs> and everybody else on the team, they have no talent. So, you know, he's, he's a guy I believe that wanted to do well in New York and be successful and take on the challenge and, and turn the jets into a winner and be a badass and to make a ton of money and have endorsement deals in New York and, and live the high life in the big apple. I mean, uh, there's no way you can tell me like even RJ Barrett. I mean, the kids playing for the Knicks and people say he sucks and all the rest and they're critical of him and everything else. But if that guy turns into anything like, uh, you know, let's say the kid ends up scoring 20 a game and and becoming somebody in the NBA and he becomes a star in the NBA and he's doing it on Broadway uh, in New York City, he's going to be. uh you know, rewarded beyond his wildest dreams playing in New York as if, uh, you know, he was playing somewhere else. If he was playing in Orlando, you're going to tell me you'd rather play in Orlando than New York. If you're going to be a star and you're going to make it, you're going to want to play in Orlando over uh, New York. There's just no way. There's no way. No way any player is going to admit that. And no one's going to say it. I have nothing against at all. Zero against Orlando, Jacksonville. I like both places. But I'm not, if I have my choice, like if you're a free agent, even in sports, you're not going to go there over New York. Now I get it. A lot of people are afraid to play in New York. I get it. A lot of people know that they'll get abused in New York by the media and fans, and they don't want any part of it and the stress of it. Some people can't 
even imagine it or, or dream of doing it. it. It makes them sick just thinking about it. But I don't believe for one minute that that kid would rather play in Jacksonville than uh, play for the New York Jets. I just don't or the Giants, for that matter, because I got to be honest with you. I don't think Daniel Jones is good either. Uh, I really don't. I think he's average at best. I don't know who's worse, Darnold or Jones. Seriously, I'm being honest. I'm not even being mean. Do we have Jerry? All right, Jerry Palm with CBS Sports. Uh, we always love talking uh, college football with Jerry. I saw uh, Jerry's uh, column over the weekend. I don't know when I saw it. The first thing I did was send it to my producers. I'm like, Jerry's got uh, Clemson going to the playoff even after losing to Notre Dame. And uh, he has Notre Dame's not even in it. So I guess I had to ask him. Uh, I, I'm assuming, Jerry, first of all, good to have you on as always. I'm assuming that that's because I'm guessing because today we brought it up on Coast to Coast on the TV show. And Carver, I said he's probably got it that way because uh, Clemson will play him again in the ACC championship and kick their ass with Trevor Lawrence. And that'll be that. Is that is that why you think that they're going and not Notre Dame? Yeah, my bowl and playoff projections are always based on what I expect the end of the season to look like. So I'm predicting ahead and the results of games, you know, going forward. So yeah, I expect Clemson to win the ACC championship over Notre Dame, knock Notre Dame out of the playoff because the other three teams that I have in the playoff are all major college or, you know, major conference champions that are undefeated. So you know, if one of them flips, if, you know, Oregon gets beat or whatever, the Pac-12 doesn't have an undefeated champion, Notre Dame's the next man in. But, you know, they're not going to leave out, at least they haven't so far, and I'm not going to believe it until they do. They've never left out an undefeated major conference champion. And uh, even if Oregon only plays seven games, I still think, you know, 7-0 and Oregon is going to get in. Do you uh, do you think that uh, like let's just be honest? How many times has Oregon ever run the tables uh, in uh, the Pac-12? It's so hard, unless I'm mistaken, to win every single game in the Pac-12. In a 12-game season, it is seven might not be as hard, but right. 12, yes, sure. All right, so but do you uh, do you, you know, sense the, the uh, so played for a BCS title? Um, I don't know if they were undefeated in the regular season then or not. They're probably right. not. But uh, Oregon did play for the BCS title once and, made right. the, and has made the college football playoff once before. Do you uh, – so give me your uh, the four uh, teams in the games again because I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> Alabama and Oregon in the Sugar Bowl, that's one versus four. Ohio State and Clemson, a rematch of last year's semifinal and two versus three, which would be in the Rose Bowl. Fair enough. All right. Let me ask you this question. Um, do you feel that the kid uh, that has backed up Lawrence, I, I'm not even going to try to say his name. Neither. Uh, EJ is his name. DJ. Yeah, EJ. E- <laughs> so I just call him Ooga-Luga-Luga-Luga-Luga on the air. So is Ooga-Luga-Luga-Luga going to, because I thought he had a really good game against Notre Dame, all yeah. things being equal. Yeah. Do you believe that Trevor Lawrence would have had a – I mean, didn't a kid throw for like 400-some yards? Uh, could you uh, see – did Trevor Lawrence – does he have a better game than that kid? Like, that kid's game was pretty uh, supreme, wasn't it? Yeah, he had a, he had a very good game. Uh, there were plays that he did not make that I believe Trevor Lawrence would have made. Um, but, I mean, Trevor's not perfect, obviously. And if you can get pressure, pressure, you know, messes everybody up. Uh, but there were some plays – 
that I thought were could have been key plays, drive, you know, extending plays, things like that, that, that I thought that Trevor would have made that he didn't. But it wasn't a lot, two, maybe three. But in a game like this, that's all it takes. Right. So um, when you uh, so if Notre Dame plays Clemson again in the ACC title game, Trevor would obviously uh, be playing in that game, let's say. And uh, and you think that it would be a, a different outcome? Like, do you think Clemson would beat Notre Dame easily or do you think it'd be another close game? I think Clemson, when both teams are healthy and, and you know, Clemson was shorthanded, uh, their linebacking core in particular, uh, Notre Dame's. Uh, two at least fastest receivers, if not their two best receivers, but certainly their two fastest receivers were out. So both teams were kind of shorthanded. I think at full strength, both teams played the touchdown better. Touchdown better than Notre Dame. So, um, so, and you have Notre Dame losing that game, and then you have Notre Dame. Uh, I saw it. Who do you have them playing again in, in a big New Year's Day bowl game? They're in the Orange Bowl. They'd be in the Orange Bowl as the highest-ranked ACC team available, and I believe I have them playing Florida. Wow, they might lose to Florida. They might. I mean, that's that's a game with you, you might expect a lot of points because uh, Florida's offense is, is really good, uh, and Notre Dame has shown that they can score as well. So um, they're less consistent, I think, but uh, when Notre Dame's offense is on, it's also pretty good. Well, uh, obviously, uh, did you? Uh, who did you take in the Florida Georgia game going into the game? Because I, I got, I had a huge Saturday picking uh, games. Mafia is my witness, and everyone on Sports Grid. Uh, I, I had a huge day, but that was one game that I got burned on. I had Georgia winning that game, and I have to tell you, uh, that was all I needed to see from Mister Bennett to realize that he sucks. Up until about Wednesday, I was with you on Georgia. And then I heard that they were going to be down about three defensive starters. And I thought, oh, boy, I, I'm, I'm going to Florida. So I ended up picking Florida. But uh, I was I was with you. I think healthy Georgia defense, it's a, it's a bit of a different game because their defense is really good. But, you know, Florida's got a lot of weapons. And if you're not at full strength against that team, boy, they can really make you look bad. So do you think that uh, Penn State and Georgia and Michigan all have uh, – uh, I, I have 30 seconds here, and then we'll come back and talk some more. Uh, but do you think they have uh, major quarterback problems? Well, Georgia's not as bad as the other two. Uh, but I think the other two have got – I mean, Whitford is a mess right now, and he's not getting protection. Uh, Michigan's playing a kid. So you kind of have to go through the struggles of, uh, you know, Milton um, learning how to play quarterback. And, and Bennett's really kind of the same way, but he's surrounded with better uh, talent. All right, let me uh, take a break and we'll come back and talk more with Jerry Palm because there's a lot I want to ask him about uh, on college football. It's Pharrell on a bench on a Monday night. Hang with us. So Flacco just threw a bomb on first and 10 from his own 20. He, uh, he threw a bomb. It got picked off and it was like in double coverage and he threw the ball deep and the guy picked it off for the Patriots. They got the ball now with like five and change left down seven. And when he threw the bomb, I was like, what's he doing? Throwing that bomb. You're up seven. It's first down. You're, you're deep in your own end. Why not just pound the ball a little bit and then, you know, maybe 
throw on second and third down and get a first down and, and not be throwing bad bombs that get picked off. It was almost like he was giving it to the other team. Like, look, we're 0-8. We, we need to lose this game here. I'm going to throw you the ball, and then you pick it off, tie the game, and then beat us by three in overtime because that's what we need to have happen here. I don't understand what he was throwing the bomb for at all. It was such a terrible pass, and it got picked off, of course. Anyway, we're talking to Jerry Palm. I pulled up his uh, story on these bowl games. Uh, he has Notre Dame and Florida in the orange. In the Fiesta Bowl, it'd be USC and Wisconsin. In the Peach Bowl in Atlanta, it'd be Miami and Cincinnati. That might be a kick-ass game. And the Cotton Bowl uh, would be Oklahoma State and Georgia. Okay, first of all, I understand where you stand with uh, Oregon State right now, or excuse me, Oklahoma State. Uh, but I said today on uh, the TV show, I don't I'm not buying Oklahoma State. I don't think they're that good. Uh, I think they're massively overrated uh, and very beatable. And that's that. I know they haven't shown it yet, but you can't tell me that that's a great football team. Come on. I'm not saying they're a great football team. I'm saying that they'll win the Big 12. That That's 10 teams, none of which are great. But somebody has to win that league. Uh, maybe Oklahoma will come back. Um, maybe Texas can sneak in there. Kansas State was off to a great start, but then their quarterback got hurt. I mean, who in that league is great? But somebody is going to one of those games out of that league. The champion is going. And so I've got Oklahoma State. Uh, but if you want to make a case for somebody else, you've probably got a good case because you're right. They're not that much better than anybody else in that league. Do you think, like, what do they play? Because uh, I don't know. It's not in front of me. Do they play uh, Oklahoma at any point? They will. Yeah, they haven't yet. Um, the Big 12 does play a full round robin. And uh, so everybody plays nine conference games. You play everybody once. The Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game hasn't happened yet. And then and then would they have to play them again in, the, in a Big 12 championship game? The top two teams in the league will play uh, what will definitely be a regular season rematch in their championship game. And who's who's the like conference like in terms of like because right now you're saying Oklahoma State's in the lead and then who's uh, on their on their heels is it Oklahoma and uh, Texas and Kansas State like you're talking about it's uh well Iowa State is actually a half a game ahead with one more win uh, and I they might play each other this week um, no that's not this week uh, but Oklahoma Texas Kansas State are all one game back in the loss column so that's five teams with either one or two conference losses. All right. Fair enough. So that, that to me will, uh, in my view, I'm just guessing right now, I think that'll change. So I, I that, think that, that those, my guess is of the five major conferences, the lowest rated champions coming out of that league. Fair enough. All right. So let me ask you, I know you wrote about, uh, BYU and Liberty, uh, and you know, oh. You already have Cincinnati in that uh, Peach Bowl. So there were some people asking me today about BYU and Cincinnati, that they deserve uh, to be recognized for what they're doing and that they deserve to be considered for the playoff. And what you're suggesting is, is that based on their schedule and what have you, that neither one of them, uh, what Liberty and BYU said, would get no consideration whatsoever. But uh, Cincinnati uh, will, is that because, you, you know, you have them in, in, in a game already, but not the other two you just said won't be considered. Right, so Cincinnati gets into one of those games in this projection as the highest-rated champion 
of one of the group of five conferences, the non-power conferences. That's an automatic. BYU and Liberty, they're independents. So they don't have an automatic in. They have to get up in the rankings high enough to compete with Georgia, Florida, Wisconsin, those teams. They have to get higher ranked than those teams to get, or one of those teams, to get in to one of those games. And to get in the playoff, you have to be in the top four. But, I mean, look at who BYU has played. So they played Boise State with Boise's third-string quarterback and lit into them. And, and then they, they played Houston. And then and BYU's destroying everybody. But if you look at their schedule, there's nothing there. And Liberty's schedule, they got the, the win at Virginia Tech. That might be the best win either of those teams has as they go through the course of this season. But that's not the kind of thing that's going to, you know, when you play one game like that all year and you're just you're filling out a schedule otherwise, it's hard to compare with teams that are playing in the SEC or the Big Ten or, or any of these leagues and the, right. and the schedules that they're playing week in and week out. So it's, it's unfortunate because the pandemic messed with definitely BYU's schedule would have had a better schedule, but they also might not be undefeated. In fact, BYU and Cincinnati were supposed to play each other this year. uh, And that's one of the games that got canceled. So, um, you know, the American conference is the best of the conferences that are outside the power five. And if Cincinnati's undefeated, you know, that's, that's as strong as they can be, but they didn't get the non-conference games that they need to get the committee's attention because hardly anybody's playing non-conference games this year. So when, uh, you know, the season is so crazy with the COVID and everything and with the schedules and the shortened schedules and everything else. Uh, do you foresee any chance at all that based on the chaos that it's been from week to week with cancellations, postponements and, and et cetera, you don't feel that there's any chance at all that they would, uh, in terms of the committee, uh, the selection committee for the playoff, that they would consider uh, this a rogue season and to do some other creative, you know, choosing, if you will. In other words, let's do something different than just let two SEC uh, teams play in the G damn thing every year like they always do. I mean, it is so ridiculous the way they just let the SEC do whatever they want. And you know what? There are people, Jerry, sick and tired of it. Sick and tired of why they they might as well just have an SEC tournament because they don't care about anybody else. Why not let these teams like Cincinnati uh, go for it and play for a national championship if they're so good? Because they don't think they're that good. The committee that is does not. Maybe we don't think they're that good at their job. How's that sound? What's that? Maybe we don't think they're that good at their job. Okay. Well, I mean, honestly, they, sure. uh, honestly, all they do is put the same four or five teams in every year. It's a waste of time. They need to expand it to eight so that at least they can let some other teams in it than their favorites. Well, when this contract is up, maybe that'll happen. I think we've got five years left on it. What a uh, nightmare that is. And then maybe that maybe they will expand to eight, but they're not going to do it in the middle of a season. Do you feel that they... Um, are behind the times with uh, that it should have happened already that they should have expanded it to at least eight already i don't think it mattered they had a contract <laughs> so they and they set this contract up this is a 12-year deal for this 14 playoff a 12-year deal that they're in the middle of and they did it that way because they didn't want to change it so 
No, I, I, I don't think they were, there was any movement ever. I mean, the press talks about it all the time, but I don't think there's ever really been any movement within the people that run the sports to go to an 18 playoff in the middle of this contract. Now, when we get to the end of the contract, or as they start to approach the end of the contract and they have to start getting ready for the new one, then maybe, but not until then. So are they, uh, do you feel me personally, Scott, me personally, I want a 16 team playoff with all 10 conference champions right. and the next six best teams. Cause that gives everybody who has any legitimate chance to win it. They'll get in it. And then everybody starts the season with a chance to make the playoff. So why, uh, how, how many years until that happens? When does that contract end? I think we've got five more. I think, 20, I think 2024, 25 season is the last one, I think. I can't get here soon enough. Uh, we might all be dead by then uh, with pandemics and everything, but I hope we get to the point where we can see it uh, change for the better because I think now it's um, – it's too much in a closet. There's just, there's, uh, you know, it's in this tiny little closet and there's not enough room for all the clothes. And so they just pick four nice shirts and it's always the same thing. Do you think that, uh, that they're going to put two sec teams in? Well, obviously you don't because you put these other four in, but do you think there's people that think they're actually going to put two sec teams in it again this year? I think it it would take a, a interesting scenario to make that happen when you consider that Alabama's the only undefeated team left. Um, I guess Texas A&M could run the table and finish with one loss, uh, and then you know stuff would have to happen in other places to allow both of those teams in. Well, um, they're I think they're good. Better A&M. Chance, you've got a better chance of Clemson and Notre Dame both from the ACC getting in, or maybe Ohio State and Wisconsin both from the Big Ten getting in than you do two SEC teams this year. Do you really believe that Wisconsin is going to be able to overcome all these injuries to their quarterbacks and finish the season uh, undefeated? I don't know. They've had two weeks off, you know, so we don't really know. Uh, They're getting their quarterbacks back for Michigan this week. Um, You know, it's hard to to say because you, you never know who anybody has on any given week. And sometimes you don't find out until after the game that they were missing a bunch of guys. Um, but Wisconsin is the least quarterback dependent team in the big 10 because of their style of play. But still you saw against Illinois, what a good quarterback can do for that, for that team. Right. They're playing in Ann Arbor as if it matters. Michigan has no pass rush, no rushing attack, no quarterback. Uh, I don't know what they do well at all. I, I, Jim Harbaugh's team's awful. Yeah. They, 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 don't look like they know what they're doing in on pass defense. They've got a young quarterback. Um, they're not supporting him well enough uh, around him on the offensive side of the ball. They just make too many mistakes, and they don't seem to to match the intensity of their opponents. I mean, you look at a Michigan State team that, that got shellacked their first game but was fired up for the rivalry, went into their place and won, and then they go out to Iowa next week and lose by another 40. It's um, – Michigan's just, and then Indiana lights up Michigan. Right. That's a, that's a team that's got nothing. Penn State's got nothing. You know, Indiana, Indiana has more wins right now than Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State combined. That's <laughs> so crazy. off to a great start. Maybe, maybe they'll be the one. They're playing with some energy and some fire. Uh, but unfortunately, they, they're still in Ohio State's division. I have uh, just 60 seconds, Jerry. Uh, what do you think of uh, – like the chaos of the COVID, the way it's uh, 
you know, canceling games left and right every week. There's a lot of big games this week that look like they're in peril. It's, it was inevitable, especially as we got into colder weather and things started uh, spiking again. Um, I mean, if things are spiking nationally for everybody, it's going to impact college football too. Uh, we get a couple games a week in Conference USA canceled. We haven't had a clean week out of the Pac-12, and they just started. Um, there's going to be problems every week. And you, just, you just work around it the best you can and try and get the season finished in a way that's relatively, you know, relatively safe for everybody. That's, that's How about that old Purdue boy, Drew Brees, uh, last night? Nice game last night, huh? Yeah. That, right. was pretty, that, was, that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, yeah, and what about uh, you think, Aiden O'Connell hopefully throw to David Bell and Rondell Moore. Good luck defending those two guys. Do you think Northwestern will beat uh, Purdue in West Lafayette this week? I think it's a toss-up game. They certainly can. Northwestern is really well coached and plays, has a great defense. Alright, uh, Jerry, always good catching up, brother. Uh, enjoy the games this week. The Patriots uh, just scored. It's a one-point game now. Just like I said, the the, the uh, interception was a fixed pass. The game's fixed. I'm looking into it. <laughs> it's Jerry Baum of CBS with us on the bench. Alright, so uh, for all on the bench, you know, the the stories about everybody, uh, you know, Mississippi State positives forced the Auburn game to be postponed. That game's uh, toast. Bama and LSU are in jeopardy after LSU uh, positive test. Right now, they're getting four touchdowns from Alabama in Baton Rouge, I believe that game is. And um, Notre Dame has mandated testing uh, for uh, apparently... Uh, am I wrong about this, Mavi? I think what I saw tonight was, is they're mandating everyone that was at that game, that was at that game on Saturday that rushed that field. Now, I don't know how they know who, who was there and who rushed the field, but they're saying that every single person w- is going to be tested and that they're not even allowed to leave campus, right? They're not allowed to leave South Bend. Uh, until they're tested and and cleared of of COVID uh, from the you know the storm crush after they beat Clemson, do you know what I'm talking about? That they're mandating that every uh, person right everyone gets that was tested. there. Yeah, I mean it makes okay, sense. All so, these days running on the field and at the time of a pandemic is pretty stupid. It's bad enough when you're doing it during regular times and you're worried about crushing players and coaches and other fans. But when everyone's worried about people being sick out in the cold of Indiana, that's yeah, pretty dumb. So now all students are required to undergo testing before they leave South Bend for an extended winter break and uh the school president the reverend jenkins told students on sunday night uh but many gatherings over the weekend. So it didn't matter about the storming of the field. It was just, you know, anyone that goes to Notre Dame is getting tested. You're not allowed to leave and go home for the winter break until you've been cleared of COVID, right? I'm sure so plenty of just, them were partying off the field too, but you know, having house parties and stuff after that win. Yeah, that's what they're talking about, all the parties. By the way, the Patriots have tied up the Jets at 27s, Newton score. So a minute 57 uh, left in the game, and it's tied up right now. And uh, I told you after that uh, fixed pass, that, inter- that uh, interception he threw, that this game is fixed. 
Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.